0: I am not good with drugs I have lost my mind <laughs> so many times I am the person sitting in the corner that people have to rescue because I'm like kind of weeping or like like thing I'm sitting there thinking I think I need to go to the toilet but I have I just been to the toilet or do I need like I've completely lost or rational kind of ability
2: So now that you're going out and you're doing like book events, but you're playing some music as well, right? I understand. How how is that to come like full circle and connection with people? Do you do you enjoy
0: it? So all the book events I've done, I've uh I've been interviewed by completely different people at everything. It just becomes a chat like this is. Right. And you know, I have had, like, mates going, oh, God, have you got another book event? Like, gosh, it's quite hard work, isn't it? And I'm like, so is not isn't. I'm literally <laughs> sitting there fucking talking about myself for, for, like, an hour. Yeah. No, it's not hard. And chatting with someone who's being really fucking nice to me and yeah. asking me questions and, you know what I mean? Oh, no, I do, it's fucking I great. <laughs> I do. I do. People ask me
2: the same question, and I would say, what's, what's hard about it? I, I'm... Going out there talking about a book I wrote about myself, yeah. so I know all the things, the questions, the answers to the questions. What's hard about it is great fun, yeah. But people ask some really. Do you ever have like ever like a Q and A question session with the people that that have come to see you? Because I did some yeah. of those. You're right, and they're they're really interesting. I mean, I found after a while there was like three or four questions that people always asked but then there's some other ones that are like really interested, different and they were the most fun part of the whole whole event really
0: i mean there is the risk of the the question that isn't a question oh yeah you know yeah. i saw you play la 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 this happened to me da 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 gets to the end no question <laughs> no, <laughs> and no. you're like okay thanks for sharing that <laughs> uh,
2: yeah i've had a had a few of those i i did a thing out in in cleveland that the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I did like a, an event and they filmed it. And one guy got up and just did exactly that. He just went on this whole sort of description about how he felt about everything and what he'd seen. And, that. and at the end, there was no question. We we're just like, okay, next one. You know, that's it. That's all you can <laughs> do. You can't, what are you going to say to it? You know, it was very funny.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we've played a bit of music at some of them. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit weird. So... I can't remember how it oh I tell you what it came up because the first one I did which was just before the book was even written um I did a thing at the social in London and and oh god Ted said um oh can you play a bit of music and I was like oh god all right okay so I had to go with a guitar and just sort of talk and I tried to put something together and I don't know you'd have to ask someone who went but I just thought it was awful. I mean, it wasn't really, but it was just not my comfort zone. You know, I right. just don't, I'm not someone who can sit there with a guitar and fucking break into song. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I just thought if there's going to be a music element, which is nice, mm. then I kind of want it to be a little band. So, you know, Moose, my partner, um, is playing. I've got Ollie who's in on bass. So we, we're sort of doing this thing. Anyway, we're playing these lush songs. And again, I feel sort of, it's fine because it's in support of the book. Like there's a point where it becomes naff, right? If we start doing headline shows and I'm playing Lush songs, then it's like crossing a a boundary, right? So while it's the book, that's fine. But I think we're sort of looking at maybe writing, now that we're all in a room together, we might as well start writing stuff. So, but I quite like the nebulousness of it, you know, I'm Not very good at talking about things until I'm actually doing them, so I haven't got a lot of detail to give you, but um I think one of the liberating things about not being in a massively successful band is that because you don't earn any fucking money doing it is that it does mean you can just do what the hell you like because it doesn't really make any difference, and yeah. there isn't that kind of desperate treadmill to keep your profile up and keep the money coming in so i'm just gonna toy with that for a while and see what
2: happens (laughs) as you get older all of that stuff you know that sort of intensity we we were talking with uh who do we have on terry nunn about from berlin uh, that was like one of our first guests and she said that she missed all this stuff back in the day because all she was doing was racing to get to the next important thing, the next important thing, you know? And like now we don't have to do that. There's not the pressure to do that, you know? So it, it kind of liberates you as well. I mean,
0: it is a bit virtue out of necessity. I don't want it to become a kind of, you know, I envy us kind of conversation, but it's that kind of, you know, you go like, I can't imagine being in a, a band where, it's like i mean i suppose the world has changed as well you know there isn't that mm. kind of record company of like right you know it's gonna be single album tour blah 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 this is when we need the next album it's got right. to be a bigger name producer there's an upward tra- trajectory right. that has to be adhered to and followed and you know it i do think as fun as that ride can be and it certainly is the first time around it's exciting it ends up sucking the life out of what you're actually trying to do, so I don't miss that aspect of it.
1: That that is the dilemma, and you 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 put that so succinctly in in, in the book. I think it really it, it was. It, I found it it was like um an emotional ride because you reminded me a lot of how it goes after the point that 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 lush stopped you know we, we you describe something where everything had changed you you were sensing that no matter what you did it was just out of step somehow mm. and i was thinking that's exactly the way we felt yeah we would never express it but we were just aware of it we actually when Susie and i and the band had stopped and we thought okay we go to the creatures now because that's what we, we could do just two of us but it was like is there anybody out there even interested and so we were kind of just like okay we'll take an offer we'll go on the road with John Cale because we probably need him but the opposite was kind of true um but it was just that there was no kind of surety anymore you have this like high rise and everything's everything's just Escalating strength to strength, the next hurdle, and then it was just that big game change somewhere. For us, it was uh, early nineties. We were doing our last album as a band, and it, it was just that that the record company was kind of pulling away, but not saying anything. And then, for the first time, I remember we had like four people in the studio going, "Like, where's the single?" <laughs> and we'd never had
2: that you know yeah but it's a a strange you know area that we operate we've all operated in it's like life without a safety net you know there is no you know gold watch at at 60 you know because you you haven't done a great job you know it's Mm. just you go going by your own stuff when when i did i did a, a a tour in south america for my book and you know publishing companies are even worse than record companies they're not going to pay anything you know tour support that's not going to happen right so you know I thought how am I going to how am I going to fund my way around this place and and a couple of the the better arts festivals said well we'll fly you down here and stuff you know and put you in a hotel but then there's a couple of places I couldn't you know do anything so we we got this plan I was like okay there's got to be a Cure cover band in every one of these towns that we're playing, you know? And, and so they sent me all like, um, you know, YouTube videos of themselves and I I picked the one that looked like the most likely. And then it was, I felt like Chuck Berry, you know, I said, I would turn up at at this venue, never done the sound check, rehearsal, nothing, you know, and we just bash away through five songs. And from doing that, you know, that paid for the whole
1: tour.
0: So. Oh, bless! That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god!
1: It's very strange. Mickey, is Justin in the band?
0: Justin is in. Oh, uh, well, no, Justin's not in the band. In the in the, the 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 little band, because like trying to drag a drum kit around. Sorry, drummers. No, I know. <laughs> it's a fucking pain in the arse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just yeah.
1: chose the wrong career, you know. The reason I wanted to be a drummer because it had so many bits. I liked all those bits and screws and nuts and bolts. I wanted to build things. Then I realised guitarists just put the guitar in the case. I'm
0: being funny. I liked all the bits as well.
1: Yeah, you just put the guitar in the case and go to the bar.
0: I was very adept at, at putting up a drum kit. So after years of touring with Chris, so
1: music stands, music stands, and cymbal stands. Not a lot of difference. Yeah. No, Justin. I remember. I've, I found memory of Justin when he was an elastica. Same guy, right? Justin, Justin Welch. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: I went up to the, this rehearsal place in not in Camden Town, wherever it was. It wasn't Easy Hire. It wasn't John Henry's. It was the other one that was kind of new. And I was on my own because I was I was like trying to put the creatures together. I had no crew, just me. And I walked into the canteen, and Justin and the other guy who had just joined Elastico was from Manchester. I think he was he was the keyboard player with the fall. And they both went, "Oh, we're not worthy, we're not worthy." And I was going, "Huh? Who are these guys?" And it was Justin. Uh, we 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 met. Uh, well, they were trying desperately to do their second album, and it was just taking forever.
0: Oh, the difficult second album. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they had all sorts of madness going on in that band as well, you know. Um, Yeah, nothing that I can really go on the record with saying, unfortunately. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) I I sort of think with Elastica that that it's such an interesting story and I do wish one of them would write it all up, actually. Um, I'd read that book because I think it was so compressed you know yeah. like you know yes they played like small gigs but for like two months right <laughs> and then you know everything happened like whatever happened in our kind of band trajectories which might have taken a year or two years or you know this is when we did this this is when we did that it was just compressed into the space of like two years you know um yeah from beginning to end actually you know it was just insane and of course no one can survive that really and i think they had like you know some of it was absolutely amazing but it was so fast that i think they struggled to survive it
1: I just think we're we've all survived amazingly well yeah yeah we've all got got our marbles more or less so yeah
0: I mean I I do you know I don't know if you know what I really felt with a lot of that Britpop stuff you know about the machismo of it and all of that which again I, I don't necessarily put down to the bands you know I'm not being funny but if you actually, I don't know, if you have met Blur, they're not a particularly macho band, mm. you know what I mean? But I think that that scene was kind of framed in a way that, you know, again, as a sort of press construct, they pull certain bits out of you and highlight them. And it tells like a, a just a shadow of a story, you know. And I think that certainly when you were both... You know, coming up, I'm not saying it wasn't problem free, but it had a different sort of maybe less slick, that kind of marketing machine. Right. Because I felt with Britpop, it was it to me, it still is just a a press and, you know, kind of record company construct that's who I see as the brains behind it all. I don't think those bands actually particularly felt that way at the time that they were part of some flag waving, you know. I know Blur have said that they wrote an album in response to that kind of American, you know, grunge invasion. But I think it was picked up and marketed by, you know, people to sort of emphasise that kind of, you know, Cool Britannia stuff. Right. I don't think that was conceived of by any of the bands who were actually involved in it. And I think that you know, the period that you or certainly when I was listening to your music when I was growing up, it feels like a more innocent time in the in that it's more scattergun and and less kind of controlled and and packaged, if you like.
2: There was there was nothing controlled about what we did i mean yeah you know, people tried to but we we managed to avoid it mostly you know and so yeah you're right it was a, a more innocent time in lots of ways as a
1: as a band we never had vip meet and greet sessions we never saw no. vip packages no. No. but mickey you mentioned uh soho house in london um, probably the Grouch Show. I don't think I ever went to the Groucho, certainly not in the night time, but Soho House I have not fond memories of um, because that was like a VIP meet and greet thing, if you like, it, where you could watch people behaving badly, mostly male. <laughs> not a fun place.
0: I mean, I'll tell you what. So so the attraction of it was, was when I used to go there, so ninety. I guess 94-ish, pubs still shut at 11. You know what I mean? There came yeah. a point at London where everything was fucking closed. So the idea of being able to get a drink after 11 was quite attractive. Yeah. The fact that you had to spend it, you know, amongst a bunch of utter wankers <laughs> was like yeah. a small price to pay. Small price <laughs> to pay, yes.
1: I do recall later going down to Whitechapel, where around the corner from where, um, oh, what's the guy's names? Um, the two Gilbert artists, and
0: oh. Gilbert and George. Gilbert and
1: George. Gilbert, and George. Go round to their local and hang out with the uh, the, you know, the guys on the the meat market. And all right, yeah, yeah, the market yeah. pub, yeah, five, 5 a.m.
0: Well, I do remember a place on Caledonian Road that was, I think, a kind of Turkish place that, right. that you could play pool I do remember going there with like Spear of Destiny I was just a fan but they were going there and I was like oh my god it's Spear of Destiny you playing pool in the fucking <laughs> Turkish bar in Caledonian Road yeah. like but so yeah I know what you mean there's like there were kind of if you're in the know there were like little places you could go but Trying to drag a sort of, and I'm not going to lie, these, most of the people I was hanging out with then wouldn't be seen dead somewhere like that. Like, if I suggested that, they'd be like, okay, no. (laughs) Like, we're going to go to the fancy Soho house where Simon LeBon is playing the grand piano and whatever the fuck is going on. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
0: And I sort of, you know, the point is, is that I would go there and think, okay, fuck it, let's go, let's have a drink. But there was quite a. There was quite a who the fuck are you element to that place, you know, where, you know, I just felt like I don't want to be part of this elite. You know what I mean? And that place is full of people who want that and who emphasize that. And it kind of ruins the vibe, you know, because you either play the game, you know what I mean? Yeah or you're, you're you know that that's the point of that place is to be a kind of elite establishment I mean I'm sort of over egging it a bit but that's the kind of impression I got.
2: No you're right you're, absolut- you're absolutely right because they have one here and it's the same thing here um, but I w- always take that attitude that Groucho Marx had you know like I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member you know so <laughs> if I always remember that then it's okay I can go through a few of those things and not get totally involved in it and not be upset by it either you know
0: see I kind of agree to that to a point right I would say I'm very happy to be a member of a club that has me as a member but not if they're only having me because they think I'm really fucking important and that's their (laughs) reason for having me yeah and I think that was just very much the time I think there was a lot of drugs around as well I'm not a big drug taker I am going to tell you my Steve Severin drug anecdote. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Please. This is just an example, right? I remember being, I don't know where it was. It might've been the club that you're talking about, right? But I remember I was standing there with Steve and Pam Hogg and he was like, do you want some Coke? And I was like, uh, and Pam was like, yeah. And then I went to the toilets with Pam and she let me do all the stuff like I And I just tipped the whole lot onto a toilet so I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck I was doing, right? And I was trying to look like I did know what I was doing. And she was just standing there going, okay, maybe not tip the whole lot out. And I was like thinking, oh my God, <laughs> like, can you just take over? Because I actually don't know what I'm doing, all right? But in those situations, you have to pretend oh, that yeah, you do yeah, know. Yeah. And there's this whole thing around drugs. Like, part of the reason why... I have always been a boozer, partly because I could take it, but also because it's really simple, right? You go to the bar, you buy a fucking drink, and then you drink it. (laughs) Drugs are just full of these pitfalls where you are going to get humiliated because you're not rolling it right, you're not chopping them out right.
1: It's the paraphernalia that surrounds it. And people
0: love that power. Like, they really fucking snidily remark on people not doing things right and i just think i needed to go to like some sort of training course where they show you how to do all this stuff so i could emerge like a professional drug taker into the scene and actually like know how to jump through all those hoops which i couldn't
1: i used to be good at making making a three-skin joint or something you know because i would sit there all night with the bus drivers you had bus drivers that would smoke as they were driving because I, well, I thought it's be- better than having a beer right <laughs> you know and I, i'd be getting all the seeds out rolling it got really good at it little twist on the end and there we go another one let's get off into the night
2: There's a positive side to you know not knowing how to do any of those things is that you you stay alive because a lot mm. of lot of lot of people that do that stuff are dead.
0: That's true. I mean, I to be honest, I think the truth is is that that drugs and like all drugs, including alcohol, just affect people in very very different ways. And sure. I think part of the problem with those kind of like music scenes or or whatever scene is that. There's no acknowledgement of that, you know. It's all kind of everyone's just treated the same, like you know. And there's peer pressure to keep up. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I am not good with drugs. I have lost my mind so many times. I am the person sitting in the corner that people have to rescue because I'm like kind of weeping or like like thing. I'm sitting there thinking, I think I need to go to the toilet, but I have I just been to the toilet. Or do I need... Like, I've completely lost all rational kind of ability. Right. And I kind of learn quite early on through... I think I had a bit of, an you know, experiences within the music industry where I suddenly thought, actually, I can't do... I just can't do this. It's like, whatever... Like, there's people wandering around who have taken twice what I've taken and they are functioning, right? And I'm just this sort of jello mess in the corner who is (laughs) literally, like, having uh, some sort of crisis, you know? And it's embarrassing. So I just had to sort of of duck out from it. But you're right, it's a blessing in disguise because I did see people who got you know, really destroyed by it. I mean, their characters completely changed.
1: We know. We know too many people, right? We know too many, A, people who are not here and people who, as you say, (sighs) destroyed.
0: I think the thing that I couldn't get over was how there were people I knew who were, like, really funny and interesting and then they'd they'd be on drugs and it was like, they were like a shell, of the person who they were yeah
2: take takes away a lot of people's personality but they
0: seem to think they were having a good time
1: yeah oh yeah yes
0: what how does it do that i don't know enough about it to
1: understand it mostly had a good time but there were times when i wasn't having a good time but i was hoping i was (laughs) (laughs) i think that's that's a good attitude for life
2: really hoping we're having a good time Yeah. one way or the other the
1: lady i remember and i don't know if you were friends at the time was debbie from echo Valley,
0: debbie smith <laughs> i still see debbie she's great i love her yeah oh
1: good good because i think debbie every time i saw you debbie seemed to be around and debbie'd always come up to you and say "Badgie, i'm gonna be guitarist in your band right me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds like a great idea we just as every time we met i think she's so wonderful so lovely um I just remember with great affection that that sort of that was a that was I was a drinker, you know. That's the same thing. I I, I going to the bathroom, the toilet, let's you know, to chop them out was a waste of good drinking time. Going to the bar was a waste of drinking time. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. I could have three whilst I'm waiting for those two to be poured, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think yeah, my entire experience with drugs was just is just peer pressure, I think. I don't yeah. I did have a good time sometimes, but I think I was there was always a background sense of panic that um and also like a massive price to pay. I just have the next three days were just appalling. So I just think you're either built for it or you're not. That's
1: right. I thought, well, we were always told that, you know, somebody told us that ladies never purchase them. Um, And I thought, oh, that sounds like a good ploy. I don't think I'll ever buy them. If so, if they're around, i maybe indulge. But I'll buy a round of drinks, but no, not the others. What
0: do you mean ladies never purchase them? I don't know. (laughs) uh,
1: Somebody who we we all know probably said that just to...
2: Is that is that is that something that Is um, that an
0: etiquette thing or is it just cuz they're too fucking tight? I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's but I thought I'd adopt that for myself anyway, you know, that it's it's okay as long as I don't buy them, then I know I'm not messed up, you know. So you're
2: like Bill Clinton,
1: you 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 had it but you
2: didn't inhale, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Budgie might have inhaled, but
1: Yeah. Couple of times. Oh, um, yeah, I know. I could. I could go on. I do remember a, a wonderful guitarist in. A <laughs> it's impossible, but it, we thought it was really good fun to be like on all fours, inhaling exhaust fumes from you know passing vehicles. Oh my goodness! That's how low. <laughs> how low can you go? That's like down where the rubber is. You
0: know? uh, That's low on so many levels,
1: <laughs> isn't it? Just particle filters were not even invented that's, then
2: that's hot that's, that's taken the huffing to a new level right yeah oh
1: blimey It did nothing for us, i tell you mind you it's probably for where i when i grew up you know i felt <laughs> a home down there. yeah yeah there you go
2: well um have we covered most of most of the topics you think
1: none we haven't covered any of them yeah <laughs>
0: No I'm, I I can listen I can talk all fucking night so you know you have to just stop me and say that people have shit to do you know
1: <laughs> We'll say thank you very much Mickey it's been wonderful talking
2: yes, to you. Yes it has.
0: Thank you it's been great.
1: Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official Twitter at Cure Creatures To find more of the best music podcasts visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter
2: Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022